Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, you can be seated this morning uh, while we're getting ready for our lesson. A little more, like I say, some of these lessons got a little more reading. And, uh, so we'll just get into them. We will continue with our series on reflecting God's character. And uh, last week we talked about how that we refuse prejudice and not letting those kind of things creep into our life. And today, uh, a, a very big one, even though it's talking about the smallest member, is controlling the tongue. And uh, believe it or not, it's possible, but not mostly in the ways that we think. And so if we're going to let others see Jesus through us, then we must be able to speak blessings and not cursing. I'm not just talking about cuss words. I'm not just talking about foul language, filthy language. I'm talking about cursings, and that's speaking ill or evil of anybody. Uh, anybody. Not just your brother or sister. Of course, that's our, a lot of times our focus in the church, but uh, we need to make sure that we are not speaking ugly or ill about anybody. And so let's just go ahead and pray for the lesson this morning and get into it. Lord, we love you so much and thank you for your word. We do want to be more like you and we want to reflect your character. So today, Lord, I pray that we'll receive this word into good ground, be ready to bring forth much fruit. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord another hand for his word. I'm thankful for instruction. I'm thankful for instruction. Nothing worse than uh, trying to do something without instruction. Guys get accused of that a lot. Uh, oh, we'll just, I know how to do that. I don't need to look at the instructions. I like to look at the instructions because I have attempted that one or two times, putting furniture together, things like that, only to finish it and realize that I put something on backwards. And the face, the part that everybody sees, was actually the back of the cabinet. And so now I've got to pry all those little nails back out. Uh, it's good to follow the instructions. And I'm thankful that God gives us great instruction. Uh, we're going to uh, go into this narrative about Job's life and uh, kind of focusing on uh, the first two chapters that happened to him, uh, the things it's kind of condensed right here, but it says, As crushing blow after crushing blow came pounding down on Job, this perfect and upright man from the land of Uz stood dazed, unable to make sense of all the chaos. You try to remember now Job was having messenger after messenger tell him, I have seen this happen to your children. I've seen this happen to your possessions and I lived just so I could come and tell you the bad news. He says, slowly the fog cleared through the heartache, but the grief remained. In that moment of clarity, Job had a choice to make. Now, most people would have reacted much differently than Job, and it would have been understandable if he had gone into a fit of rage and allowed anger to consume his countenance. After all, he was hurting intensely, having just lost nearly everything that he had held dear. And who could blame a father who had just become childless if he decided to let 
a few choice words slipped from his mouth because of the brokenness and pain that had ripped his heart apart. In the heat of the moment, it's hard to predict what a hurting father might do. And this is why the response of Job and has been preached so many times and admired for centuries. It records in Job 1, 20 and 21 that when Job received this news that he stood up, that he tore his garment, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and he worshipped. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And so instead of cursing, Job chose to verbalize praise, and instead of blaming God, Job chose to worship God. When others would have lost control and given in to their baser side, Job maintained control of his tongue and trusted in the faithfulness and sovereignty of the Almighty. Even after being encouraged by his own wife in the next chapter to curse God and die, Job stayed in control, maintained his integrity. That's the key now. You've got to remember, his, he held on to his integrity and reflected the character of his God. In fact, it says that Job... Uh, after his reply to his wife and the other things he did, that he said, in all this, Job 2 and 10, it says, Job did not sin with his lips. He was able to uh, control what came out of his mouth. He was, uh, but the key to that is that uh, he, not that he could just cover his mouth or bite his tongue, as we say sometimes, but it was because of what was already going on in his heart. Uh, because of his integrity, because of the description we have of Job from God himself that, that Job feared God and he hated evil and he was a perfect man and there wasn't another one like him in the land. And, and so it was because, it wasn't because Job just had the knack of biting his tongue. His heart would not speak what was not there. He did not have any hate for God in his heart. He did not have any anger for God in his heart. He didn't have malicious thoughts in his heart for God, so it could not come forth. If it is not in your heart, it will not come out. So that's why we keep our heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. And so uh, if we want to get control of the tongue, uh, it, it, you know, in case well, I'm practicing watching what I'm saying, that won't, you'll be practicing the rest of your life because uh, you know what happens when you practice? You make mistakes. That's why we would have practice so we could work the mistakes out. Well, let me tell you, you'll be practicing controlling your tongue the rest of your life. If you don't get the heart right, the tongue is going to always act up. It's going to always show out. It's going to always cause trouble. I put my foot in my mouth. Well, what happened is you let your heart get something in it and it said, hey, how about this? It's not always wise to just say what you think. It's not always uh, appropriate to just fly off at the mouth. I couldn't help it. I got mad. I flew off at the mouth. There's never been a greater indicator that I should fall on my face and pray than when I fly off at the mouth. Well, they made me mad. So what? Does that give you the right or me the right to fly off and not reflect God's character. 
while they hung Jesus on that cross, said he didn't speak a word. He didn't curse anybody. He didn't argue with nobody. But said like a lamb to the slaughter. And he was silent. And the only thing he, he had to say was, Father, forgive them. You know what was in his heart? Forgiveness. You know what the Bible tells me? It says to love my enemy. Forgive them. Love them that despitefully use you. So when you do that, it's like heaping coals of fire on their head. So you, you, I'm going to get them back with my words. You didn't do anything but hurt your testimony. You didn't do anything but cause you some trouble because, hey, that, that's, a, that's a ride you can't hardly get off. You open that floodgate of anger and your lips start rolling, you start telling somebody off, you can't stop. <laughs> it, then it's just easier the next time to, to cut somebody, to slight somebody. If we want control of the tongue, then we're going to get in a place like Job where no matter what bad news I get, God is still worthy of the praise. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? That's why the Lord said, I'm trying to tell something to you here. I want to change your heart. I want to take out a heart of stone, and I want to put in a heart of flesh. And when you get that heart of flesh, man, that word of God can get in there and grow. But as long as your heart's hard, word of God's just bouncing off of that seed. Just ba- you might as well be sowing seed on that concrete out there. It ain't going to produce. It's not going to grow. But when you let God change that heart, and then you spend time in that word, and you get a love for God. You know, you, the people say, well, I love the Lord. Well, if you love him, you love his word. And so if we love him, we keep his commandments. And, man, you're just reading that word, listening to the preaching. It's finding good ground. It's growing. And all of a sudden, man, you get hit with something, and instead of reacting like you used to react, you find a place to pray. Or you find a place to, uh, to, you know, the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. You find a way to negotiate. And the Bible says for us to be reconciled one to the other. And so instead of cursing somebody, slighting somebody, or talking about them, which is just the same thing whether you say it to their face or behind their back. You know, so I, I figured out that some people would not have anything to talk about if there were no other people on earth. Because that's their subject. That's daily what they like to do. Talk about other people. But we're not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to have uh, the character of God and not let cursings, which, again, that's not just foul language. I'm talking about evil speaking of anybody. We may not like what people do, and you can express, I don't agree with that. I don't like that. I don't think that's right. That, or you can say that's against the law. That's evil. That's wicked. It is. But the person, you're not supposed to just sit and run people into the ground because the worst of us is simply uh, waiting for the Lord to touch our life and change us and save us. In talking about this, uh, the tongue, Leonard Ravenhill, a Christian author, he wrote this uh, from a book, The Taming of the Tongue. He said, until recently we were pretty much in the dark about the human body. But then came the x-ray with its peeping eye, a marvelous instrument which has saved us much human misery. It was able to show us the human heart, but it couldn't show us the soul. Or it could show us the throat, but not the voice, the brain, but not the mind. Nevertheless, medical science has done much to help this outward man that perishes. If our eyes are getting dim, we can get glasses. If our kidneys or heart fail, we can have a transplant. 
But as far as I know, there is one member of the body that has never been transplanted. If we use our arms and legs as much as we use this part, we would be incredibly stiff and sore. But this member never gets tired. And I've never seen one with a splint on it. As you get older, you may get dentures, but you will always have the same tongue that you were born with. There are artificial joints made these days, but no artificial tongues. My mother was pretty smart when it came to the tongue. She sprinkled her daily conversation with wise sayings like, keep your tongue between your teeth. Think twice before you speak once. The Scottish people have some proverbs as well. Keep your tongue a prisoner and your body will go free. And a long tongue shortens friendships. My mother would also tell us, remember one day you'll answer to God for every word you say. That ought to be enough right there to help us understand. But since Ravenhill wrote this, there has been one tongue aloe transplant that has been achieved, but the patient only lived for 13 months after the surgery. An aloe transplant is not simply reconstruction. It is the complete removal of an organ from a donor and grafting of that organ to another person. And so that, that would be mighty strange to have someone else's tongue grafted into your mouth, but it wasn't successful. But even if tongue transplants become common someday, that will not minimize the significance of what uh, James wrote in his letter uh, about the tongue. It is clear in his context, we're going to read through this in just a moment, that he's not just talking about the physical organ in our mouth. He is talking about the words that come from our mouth. And so even if people can't speak, they can still use words to bless a curse uh, because they can write them down or they can text them, or they can post them. So, uh, you know, I didn't say nothing to nobody, but you posted it. Yeah. I ain't talked to nobody, but you texted it. It's the same thing. You know, we, we, it's, it's just an extension of the words that, because uh, how many times are you texting it and you're saying it while you're texting it? Nobody heard me. He heard you. Texting, texting, texting. Yeah, got to get away from those kind of things. But James... Uh, said this, James uh, 3 and 1. Uh, he said, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now, uh, what he's talking about is everybody don't try to be a teacher. That's what the word trans, translates to. It's like He's really saying, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. The statement uh, doesn't mean that the people that God has called to teach should refrain from exercising their God-given ministries. Uh, James was concerned about people wanting to be known as teachers for the wrong reason. Just like when he would approach the Jews, that they loved to be called rabbi, rabbi. It wasn't because that they were these great teachers of the law. They just wanted the adoration of men. And uh, today, I see this ad pops up on Facebook every once in a while, uh, Go online and get your ordination, you know. And so I just think some guy sitting there stuffing M&Ms in his mouth and scrolling Facebook and says, you know what, I think preaching would be a pretty good thing. Whoop, I'm going to go online and in like two days he's, he's ordained minister. Now he thinks I can just go start telling people what to do. But here's the thing, whether God calls you or you call yourself, if you step into that role, you're going to be responsible for what you say. And you say, well, 
Oh, well, God, I just decided I'd do that. You didn't call me, yeah, but you took up the mantle. You took up the role. You said, I'm going to start telling people how to get to heaven, or I'm going to start telling people how to live, and I'm going to start throwing this word at them. You was taking my word and using it, saying you was something, and so guess what? You're going to be held to the same uh, circumstances as I hold any of them to, that uh, if you didn't cry out, I'm going to hold it against you. That's what James is telling him. He said, look, just because you got a mouth and you can speak, that doesn't mean that you get to say anything you want to say. And he said, because we will be held uh, to a, a stricter judgment. In verse 2, he said, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. That doesn't mean he doesn't have other flaws in his life, but he is mature. The word perfect there comes from a word that means maturity. When you're able to... Uh, not offend in word, you're reaching a level of maturity in your walk with God. There's something that's going on in your heart now that you have reached this place where you realize, uh, I don't have to respond to everything that comes my way, and I don't have to be ugly just because somebody's ugly to me. And, and I, I hear that all the time. Well, well they, they said it to me first. Well, like our parents would tell us, well, be, be the bigger person. You know, and we, we didn't like that when we was kids. No, because I look like a wimp. I look like a punk at school, and everybody will think I'm a sissy or a coward. So if they say it to me, I'm going to say it back. And, and kids, it might be a little hard to get that ingrained into them, but we better get it right as children of God that uh, we don't get to just fly off at the mouth and say what we want to say, not if we're going to reflect God's character. If, and I know things can, woo, they can light you up and make you mad. And I know that things can, you know, and don't try to use righteous indignation as a, a way to say, well, it was just righteous indignation. Even the Lord had some of that going on, but he didn't sin with his mouth and he didn't curse people and, and, and do the wrong thing. Listen, there, there's no loophole to this. If we're going to reflect the character of God, then we're going to have to get control of the tongue. But you can't bridle it and you can't tie it down. And you can't bite it hard enough to stop you from saying uh, what's in that heart. If it's in that heart, it is going to come out. That's why people say, I, I took it so much that I just exploded. You know why? Because you had that dynamite in there. You had to let it go. Uh, get that heart right. Get ugliness out of your heart. Get hatred out of your heart. Get jealousy out of your heart. Get bitterness out of your heart. Get unforgiveness out of your heart. Get these things that put mercy and grace and love in your heart. Come on. You won't have a bad thing to say about nobody. That's the way Job was. He looked at his wife and she said, Curse God and die. You talk like a foolish woman. You act like there ain't no God. He said, Shall we receive good at the hand of God and then not receive evil? He didn't say that God was going to give us evil. He said, don't think we're going to be blessed and live for God and that we're not going to have attacks because the Lord tempteth no man with evil. And so but he said, so we live for God and we're blessed and he takes care of us and he provides. Do you think that, we're, that that makes us more special than anybody else in the world? That we don't have, how about our, he could have said, hey, how about our neighbor two days ago when uh, they lost a family member? You know, what's right? You know, she was just, why are you hanging on? Her heart wasn't right. Why don't you curse God and die? And that was the whole battle there that, uh, that Satan was trying to get 
God to see both times. He didn't say he'll turn his back on you. He didn't say he'll do this. He, he said, if you'll take your stuff, he'll curse you to your face. You touch his body, skin for skin, a man give everything what he's got. But so you touch his health, he'll curse you to Both times, that, that was it. Job's, uh, the, the, the enemy was, the whole time was trying to get Job to curse God. Because he said, if I can get it to cross his lips, I've got it in his heart. And if I've got it in his heart, it won't be long. He won't be that perfect man. He won't be a guy that fears God anymore. He'll be just like every one of these numbskulls in this place, running their mouth, shooting off at the mouth, and dying. The whole thing is, if I can get it to come out of his mouth, I've got it in his heart. It happens. Sometimes we do. It comes out. Oh, my goodness. So quick. It happens to everybody, even Holy Ghost-filled people. There's one or two things going to happen. It's going to come out, and you're going to repent, or it's going to come out, and you're going to say, got what you deserve. What I want to do, you know, you ever, have you ever eaten something? And as soon as you swallowed it, you were sick. And, man, you're like, I better find a bush or something. It's, it's not going to be pretty. And immediately, whew, and you felt better when it was, whatever that was, made me sick. It had to get out. It's the same way. You say something like that gets in your heart, comes shooting out of your mouth. You, right away, you know, I've got to do something to be better. And you find a place say, God, that's not who I am. And you've got to go to that person that you said it to and say, I am sorry for what I said to you. And they might say, I don't care. It don't matter how they respond to that. You make sure you empty your heart so that you don't go back. And if they say, I don't care, don't, don't give it back. Just say, well, I just want you to know I'm sorry. That's it. I'm sorry. I really shouldn't have said that. Uh, no matter what you said to me or did to me, I should not have responded in that manner. Hey. It's not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, folks. It's, he, the Lord's talking about, hey, uh, if they ask you 70 times 7, you forgive them. If they smite you on one cheek, off of the other. You know, it's, uh, it's just what he's, what he's saying. You're never going to get anywhere because you give in to that, it's over. You give in to that anger, you become just like them. You give in to that bad talking, you're just like them. I don't want to be like the world. I want to be like God. And uh, I'm sorry. I don't believe in ugly, loud, fighting, Holy Ghost people. <laughs> I don't. I can't stand arrogant, woo, and ugly, just want to run people in the ground and stomp on them with their foot and tell them how bad they are. That ain't the Holy Ghost. Hey, I, I don't believe... I believe we need to love people. I believe that love covers a multitude of sin, not harsh words. I got scripture for it. I think that love uh, covers a multitude of sin. I think compassion, the scripture says, makes a difference. And I think being ugly to people and threatening people and telling them they're going to bust hell wide open ain't the way to win them. And it sure ain't the way to correct them. I think you need to love people. Keep that tongue like it needs to be. So James, uh, given this insight on the tongue, letting us know that if you can not offend in that uh, word, then you're a perfect man or a mature. Again, it doesn't mean you don't have faults. A guy that's got that 
part down. He still may be struggling with some other stuff in his life. It doesn't mean he's perfect without flaw. Uh, it means he has reached a level of maturity, and a mature person does not speak offensive words. Mature people don't stick their tongue out at each other and all that stuff. They don't act like playground kids. Uh, they, they, a mature person, you put away childish things, and uh, you, you learn. And Paul had so many people, they stone him, you know, beat him, leave him for dead, all kind of things. People, they were persecuting him, hated him because of what he was doing now. But he just said, my desire for Israel is that they might be saved. You talking about the ones that stoned you and left you out there for dead? Yep, I sure hope God saves them. I sure hope God saves them. So uh, this is a realistic assessment of the human condition. Although we aim for sinless perfection, the impact of the fall on human nature is so pervasive that we will never reach this lofty goal until this mortal shall have put on immortality. The Apostle John hardly agreed with, this, with James on this point. He went as far to declare that those believers who deny their sin are deceived. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. Uh, we all working on these things. Paul, he also uh, agreed as to his uh, own experience. He, he, he said, I am the chiefest of sinners in that when I try to, uh, I want to do good, evil's present with me, and the bad I would do, I don't want to do that I do, the good that I want to do, I can't find out how to do it. He, he struggled as well. But he was mature in a sense that uh, you never read in his letters uh, him saying anything uh, ugly toward people or cursing people, but he was always trying to become anything he could, all thing to all men that he might save somebody. And so the greatest test of maturity is the measure in which one can control the tongue. It is possible to be quite successful in bringing every other area of behavior into conformity with New Testament ethics and yet struggle mightily with the temptation to utter words that fail to glorify God or edify others. The danger of wrong words is a recurring theme in the letters that are written in the New Testament. And the reason the tongue is so difficult to control is that it tends to reveal what is in the heart, is what's on the inside. So we can, it's much easier to conform outwardly and look like you belong. But all you have to do is open that mouth for a little while and people can find out whether you have actually got there yet or not. And that's the reason why even though Job looked a mess, he still retained his integrity and with all the things that he did say, everything that came out of his mouth, he did not sin with his lips. And so if there are people who do not stumble in their words, it is because their hearts are right. It's not because that they have mastered the art of biting their tongue. Their hearts are right. They are spiritually mature people who have conformed their hearts to the character of the Lord and thus being able to control their words will also be successful in governing every other member of their body. There is no point, however, in concentrating one's effort on the control of the tongue because it cannot be done. James 3 and 8 says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So don't think you're going to do something that the word says you can't do. He didn't say the tongue can't be brought under control, but no man can tame it. It will not be done by your fleshly efforts. It will be by what the Lord, what you allow the Lord to do on the inside. 
the new man, that man of the heart, that, that inner man, when he's right, when he's mature, when he's better, he stops what comes into that heart and he stops what goes out of that heart. You need to work on the inside. So we should concentrate our efforts on the development of character and wisdom. The control of the tongue flows naturally from these things. That out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, it's not talking about this organ here. It's talking about the heart, the soul, the mind working together. If you were here uh, Wednesday night, we talked about enters that mind, and you either reject it and it goes away, or you dwell on it and it goes down into the heart. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so if we would just work on uh, the things of God, being more like him, that's going to follow. Uh, we'll be able to control, uh, get it under control because we've got the other things. There's no exercise. Well, I'm really working on holding my peace. Well, then I hope that in that you are studying and praying and fasting and seeking God and seeking his word. Because if you're just saying, I'm counting to 10,000 every time somebody says something ugly, eventually you're going to stop counting. And you're going to fly off. Or what I do is I, I pinch myself. You know, eventually you're going to get tired of pinching yourself. You know, that didn't really work even when we was kids. They, you know, it still produces something. You know, it, you may shut up for the moment, but as soon as you get away out of arm's length, you're about to let it fly. It's not going to work. Trying to just control the tongue. No man can tame it. Flesh and blood cannot contain it. But God can. God can do that. And so when we get God in here, greater is he that is in us. And so when he's in here, then we have the ability to make sure that nothing wrong gets in there. Let God guard that heart. Get, that, get filled with the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and then build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's why we try to tell people, that, oh, y'all one of them got to be in church every time the door is open. You need to be listening to preaching. You need to be studying. Oh, I got to pray all the time. You know why? Because you're going to be unlike God when you ignore those things. And uh, maybe you can't make it every time the doors are open. But uh, when it starts becoming of choice, hey, I just don't feel like going today. You're already headed in a bad direction. Uh, well, I'm... I, I've been born again. I'm going to heaven. I hope so. But if, uh, if your life is not reflecting a born-again attitude and a born-again walk, I think that once we are filled, that Jesus expects an outward appearance. I think that if he said we would be the light of the world, he's expecting people to see something. And if we're the salt of the earth, we ought to have some kind of positive influence in this world but if we are like the world or if we are silent in this world we're doing nothing with what God gave us I'm just not sure how he's going to look at that I think we need to use what God has given us in verse 3 James said this um, behold we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may be that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body Behold also the ships which are brought, or though they be so great, they are driven of fierce winds, but they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. 
and so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, birds, serpents, things of the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. James expressed a genuine amazement at the deadly power of so small a part of the body as the tongue. The power of the tongue is so great that he compared it to the bit in a horse's mouth or the rudder that gives direction to a great ship. You think about that. In comparison to the ship, the rudder is actually very small in comparison to the ship, but it moves it. It, it affects direction. Your tongue will affect what direction you take. It will. And uh, so we need to make sure that uh, even though this uh, little old member in there is so unruly, it cannot resist the Creator. I didn't create the tongue. God did. Yeah. The only one got control over it or can bring it under control is him. And so his word, praying, spending time with him, his spirit inside of me will bring that tongue under control. When you see somebody, sometimes you'll see them laid out at the funeral and people are standing up and say, you know, I never heard them say a bad word about nobody. You want to know why? Because they had the Lord. Oh, there was a great man or woman of God never spoke ill of nobody. You know why? Because they were really men or women of God and they had the real thing on the inside. It was in their heart. And that's why you never heard them saying anything. Or, you know, But then you hear, yeah, I'd sit around church, you know, they, they was apt to cut up a little bit when they was outside of church. They might say a little bit here and there, little pet peeve things, these little Signs and T-shirts and bumper stickers. Well, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. See, I got the Holy Ghost because I didn't say nothing. <laughs> but hey, boy, you're like, how stupid is that? How dumb is that? Well, and you know, the thing is, Jesus loves them. And so I love them too. Just like, you know, you, but man... What an ignorant statement yeah. that is. Or, or I, I, I love Jesus, but I drink a little. I cuss a little. They're just making them up now as they go. It, it caught on they're just making things up. Uh, can I tell you this? Uh, if you love him, you keep his commandments. Yeah. And if you, if you love him, you know him. If you, you, know, you can't say you, that you love him and ne never read his word. I love you, but I'm, I'm never going to go to church. I've said to people, I, I'm a Christian, but I, I don't darken the door of a church because churches are corrupt. Finding a, a loophole for everything, just uh, expecting to go to heaven one day. Ooh, I better move on. Better keep going. Because we're talking about the tongue. We uh, need to get on there. So it's little, but it is a great boaster. Uh, James took another, uh, as he, he was talking about, of course, the horses, and he's talking about, uh, the bridle, talking about the rudder, uh, these things. These, these are things that they knew about in that day. These are things they used, and they knew what it was like to ride or see chariots pulled and how, how that uh, bit could, could move that horse and a rudder on Galilee, those ships that they fished in, or even the, the big ships out on the Mediterranean that came in bringing all kinds of supplies. They realized uh, that uh, the tongue was just like that. It could, it could move a body, and it can carry a lot of things, 
and it can change a lot of things. It's a fire. It says, what a great fire it can start. You know, we had uh, big wildfires out in California. Maybe be still some burning for all I know, but I know that for, for months and months and months, they were just, you know, homes being destroyed, land being destroyed, people losing possession. You know, it didn't start as a forest fire, a lightning strike, cigarette butt out the window, something, you know, somebody dropped a match, didn't put the campfire out, and now all of a sudden you got thousands of thousands of acres lost, people's lives lost, uh, people trying to get it under control and working so hard and not making any headway. You know what they keep saying? We need rain. You know where that comes from? Him. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's like the only way we're going to get this fire under control is if something natural happens. We need a rain, a thunderstorm. We need something to happen because men are dying, giving their lives, trying to stop that fire. It's the same way with the fire of the tongue. We can fight it and fight it and fight it, but until God steps in, we'll never get it under control. We need something from the Lord. Even we've quoted it so many times, Proverbs 18 and 21. There's two things found in the power of the tongue, death and life. Death is in that tongue. Life is in that tongue. And you know what? That death can stay there. That's fine. Because as long as I've got the Holy Ghost uh, guiding it, I can speak death to things that are bothering me. I can speak death to things that are troubling me, death to things that are troubling my church. But see, a lot of people use it to speak death in people's lives, death in relationships, death in churches, cause division, cause strife, cause ugliness, cause fighting. Families break up, friends break up, churches bust wide open. And all the time, you know what? It wasn't always 10 or 12 people. It was one who had the idea and started flapping that tongue. That's why uh, we've pushed so hard. Love the Lord. Love God. Love his word. Get it in your heart so you won't sin against him. And it'll keep you from letting that tongue fly. The, the word, the tongue is little, uh, but it, is a, it says it's a world of iniquity. In the scriptures, we like words like righteous, righteousness, justified, because that refers to us having everything square with God. We're the righteousness of God, uh, the righteousness through faith in Christ, uh, uh, but you're washed, sanctified, justified in the name of our Lord. So we're glad with that. Well, the Greek stem for those words is, is dik, which is D-I-K. And so uh, the word iniquity is translated from adikius, which when you put the out letter alpha or A in front of the D-I-K, then it negates the meaning of the word. So in other words, uh, iniquity is the exact opposite of what is right. It is all that is wrong. The tongue is a world of wrongness. So uh, uh, when you let that tongue fly, don't think you're anything like God at that point. It doesn't stop him from loving you. and doesn't mean you can't repent and get right. But when, when you're uh, letting that tongue have its way, the tongue is wrong. It is all that is wrong in this world. It is exactly opposite of righteousness, being justified, or being righteous with God. So we will make sure that we, uh, we can control the tongue, but it's going to get the heart right first. Get the inside right, and the rest of it's going to follow. Don't just try to practice speeches. 
you'll forget speeches. Don't just try to practice etiquette. You'll forget etiquette. Don't just try to be moral. You'll forget morals. But if you get God in your heart, if you get God in your life, if you just submit your life to him, surrender to him, the Bible says that if we submit ourselves to God, then we resist the devil and he'll flee. I've seen people say, well, just resist him, he'll flee. Not until you become submitted to God because you've got no power, no authority for anything on your own. You can't whoop him by yourself and you can't stop that by yourself. But see, Job was submitted to God. And both times, the enemy walked away empty-handed. Hey, did you get Job? Nope. Took all this stuff, killed his kids, got his wife to jump on his case. Man, still praising God, still worshiping. Yeah, because he was right with God, and everything else that flowed after that was right too. He still had, he was mature in that area. He still had some correction. God got, God got with him and corrected some things in his life toward the end, but he was mature in that area. That with all the things he said, he did not sin with his lips. He didn't uh, curse God for those things. I want to make sure that I am getting my tongue under control by getting my life in order with God. You can't truly have your life right with God and that tongue show out. It just won't do it because the Holy Ghost will help you with that. It'll, it'll, it'll hit that mind and you'll just, no, nope, I'm going to defer this to the Spirit and it's going to say nothing. It ain't going to say nothing. But if I give it to the flesh, you're about to get an earful. That's just how it is. Don't ever brag about putting your two cents in. Don't ever brag about, well, I told them. That's not, that's not pretty. You, you, just, you just make yourself, uh, you, you paint yourself ugly when you do that. I'll just let them have it. Did you invite them to church after you got done? Because I bet they won't come with you now. And anybody else that was around you that heard you being ugly says, that's the kind of church that is. I don't want to go there. See, it sets a whole forest fire. Anybody that's in earshot, now they don't want nothing to do with you or what you believe in your church because that's the kind of people go to that church. Mm. Is it time to stop? It's time to stop. I mean, it's time to stop. It's, it's time. Honey, come on to the music. Woo, pastor, you're a little stout today. You know why? If you tend in sheep and a wolf comes sneaking in the pasture, you go, shoo, shoo. Scat. I don't think you just watch us ask you going to do it. I don't think he's going to be worried about your shh. You got to let the wolf know you mean business. Stay around here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. And I love our church and the potential it has for this city, for revival for this city. And in our families, we've got people we're praying for. But let me tell you, if we end up biting and devouring one another, or if we get busted apart and we lose unity in this house, it won't, amount, it won't amount to nothing. And so, uh, you know, you can't pray for somebody and then talk about them. Or you can't talk about them and then come pray for them and it, be, and it mean anything. Got to be something going on right in here. 
uh, you can't stand up here and preach. It didn't mean anything if you ain't got the love of God in your heart and, and you, you're not controlling that mouth and, and what's coming out of you. You've got to check yourself and make sure. And that, that's why when, when these, these are things, lessons that come like this. I didn't write this lesson, so, but it's the one that's fell right here. So I'm, I'm going with it because any pastor that loves his people realizes that all it takes is one little bad spark and it can tear things to pieces. But the thing is, why would you want to be like that? It's so ugly, so ugly. Again, no point struggling trying to control the tongue alone. We must concentrate on developing the character of Christ. If our heart is pure, then our words will be pure. And this is one area of life where pretense is impossible. The tongue is set among our members that it unerringly reveals the condition of one's heart. The tongue is a revealer. And so it, uh, without, without fail, it will reveal the contents of the heart. And so I want to make sure that when it starts revealing, it's just revealing Jesus, just revealing the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. And, and don't, don't think uh, I've reached some kind of level. I'm just like Paul. I hadn't yet attained, but, but here's what I do. I forget those things that are behind and I reach forth. I'm still striving for that. I, I want to be mature in that area so that I can be a good witness for the Lord. Because this is, this is where we witness. This is where we testify. This is where we talk about the Lord. Part of that lesson talked about, James wrote, said you can't get sweet water and bitter water out of the same fountain. Whatever's coming out reveals the source. You can't get uh, figs off a grapevine. If it's a grapevine, it's going to produce grapes. He's saying, and that's what he's telling us, that whatever is evident is, is revealing the source. So if it's bitter water, it's revealing the source. And if it's sweet water, it's revealing the source. Let's get the source right. Let's stand this morning, pray together, ask the Lord to search our hearts. We used to sing, turn the spotlight on and search my heart. Let's ask God to search our heart this morning. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for your word and Thank you, Lord, today that you are a revealer. God, I pray today that we'll examine ourselves, examine our hearts, God, and, and do all we can to be right with you. I don't want my tongue to have control. Lord. I don't want to be unruly. And, Lord, I don't want to be a bad light or a witness for you. So, Lord, search my heart. Let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Lord, I want to be a good witness for you. I want to let the love of God flow. I want to let mercy flow today. Lord, we ask you to help us with these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Well, we thank you today, Jesus. We thank you today. Praise God. I love you. You know that. And, uh, but uh, I believe this is a lesson that will help us from now on. Praise God. I love you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. God bless you.